What up, everybody? Welcome back to another Unscripted, live on the Serato Twitch channel. Um, shout out to everyone who listens to these Unscripted podcasts on all the podcast platforms. Great to have you locked in with us. Um, this is, yeah, this is Serato Unscripted, and today uh, we've got very special guests. Two guests today, legends in their own right. Um, they have a unique connection through music that we're going to explore a bit. Uh, being from Detroit, they carry the legacy of this influential city and keep it progressing for the future with their music. And now their new school, the Underground Music Academy. Uh, and Serato has partnered with the uh, Underground Music Academy and we're thrilled to help the next generation of producers and musicians coming through the Underground Music Academy develop and innovate in the tradition of tr Detroit's mus musical legacy. Um, so the two key players we got on today are Amp Fiddler and Wajid. Please welcome Amp Fiddler and Wajid to the show. <laughs> what up guys? Great to have you on the show. Apparently, this is the first time you guys had an Hello, interview John. together, right? Yeah, it's our first interview together in, in terms of the public. Usually, usually, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess. It's crazy. Yeah. Can you hear us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Live, y'all. So yeah, that's that's what it is. It's great to have you guys visual, today. Thank you. A little crazy, but. Thank you so much for joining us both. My phone. Telling you. <laughs> We're going to make it through this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I want to say first off, uh, congratulations so much to both of you guys on the launch of your school, Underground Music Academy. Um, I'd love to talk to you both about uh, mentorship and your relationship to each other, if, if you're down with that. Um, and, uh, and I'd like to start off with Amp, if you don't mind. Yep. Amp, can you hear me okay? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it, man. Look, it's it's a real pleasure to be talking to you today, man. Um, I've been playing your tracks for many years, huge fan. And um, from what I understand, you've always made music education and mentorship a prior priority in your life. Uh, can you tell me, was there an event that happened in your life that made you want to teach others? Well, I think I was always looking for ways to learn myself. And in that, I was um, inspired and mentored by um, kind of like the cats that were in my neighborhood and uh, the people that I toured with. Like if it wasn't uh, for George Clinton, I wouldn't be where I am right now as far as his mentorship and his giving back to me. And um, I think most of the groups that I... Uh, tour with at a young age were all very giving and uh, in the respect of um, teaching me how I could move forward as a musician and an artist. So, you know, when when you get that kind of love from people, you can't help but to, um, you know, to give that back. And, and that, I guess I've kind of been that way ever since. So when you were in L.A., you, you lived in... I can hear you loud and clear, really clear. Um, you, you lived in L.A. for a time. and From what I understand, you had okay, a, sc a school out in L.A. Is that true? Actually, in L.A., living with George and being kind of mentored from him and living in California, he, he paid for me to live in an apartment in Hollywood 
And that's why I started Camp Amp with all my friends that came into town. Um, we kind of crashed at this place and used it for a launch pad for us to, to kind of um, learn and grow and record, you know, try different things. And that's when I decided to call it Camp Amp because it was just like, you know, cats were just coming into town and just crashing there. We just recording all day. So that was like the beginning of the camp after me. It was it was crazy. It was beautiful though. I feel like those uh, environments are so conducive to learning. You know, just to be able to be surrounded by you know like-minded so yeah, that people. Was the beginning of it. Yeah, I think I think everybody wanted to record. Everybody wanted to grow, and I was the only one who had a four-track recorder. <laughs> you know, back then we recorded four-track cassette, so um, you know I had everything in the apartment that we needed to to grow. You know, it was it was amazing. So we would just sit and record all day. Mm. It was cool, like we still do. <laughs> And of course, um, you know, yeah. when you, were, you you played in uh, Parliament and Funkadelic, you talked about George Clinton being a huge part of, of, of that uh, experience for you. Um, how, how did that affect your development as an artist, not only with recording, but just uh, maybe seeing the world and, and, and being around such amazing musicians? Uh, that was the dream in action. That was like... Um, that was my vision board turning into reality at that time. I was into vision board and images and affirmation. And that was one of the dreams that came true. So, I mean, it couldn't have been a better time for me to be around such amazing musicians. And I was I was right at the pinnacle because it, it was just about about to peak and go downwards. It had, it had kind of peaked. And it was about to take a little fall, and we recorded "Do Fries Go at That Shake," and it, it kind of lifted it a little bit. But to me, the amazing part was just being around the musicians that were still alive and that had started it, and being able to play with them was like uh, University of the P Funk, is what I called it. You of the P. So, so it was a stomping ground. Uh, kind of a learning school environment for me all the time because the musicians were just ridiculous and not that they were um so accomplished musicians but they just had the funk that the other cats just didn't have that's amazing um and just the rhythm that god gave them that was just special <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, so many accomplished musicians have come through that uh, that that group and and had you know careers on their own, much like yourself. Um, you've also had some incredible collaborations with people like Jamiroquai, Lucy Pearl, Seal, Maxwell, and you've released several albums. Um, some of which, which were held up by records record labels. Am I right? Yep. You said some of them which were held up by records? Yeah, some of them were held up by, by record labels. I'm curious to know, like, what are some of the lessons you le you had to learn about the music industry through that process? Uh, 
Well, I learned that I shouldn't be getting so high and fucked up while I'm trying to <laughs> talk for real things. <laughs> and I learned that things would have been different had I been sober. And I learned that um, despite that, in spite of that, I had a real good time having a good time trying to make those things happen. But there was always this cloud over my head. You know, maybe it was the weed, uh, you know, or some other substance that creates that. And that was the biggest part that I thought that if I had anything to, to change when I go back, it would be that I would I would eliminate all the drugs out of my life, even though I was still successful and I was still uh, banging my head. I realized that um, I ran into some really cool poss uh, possibilities because I wasn't getting high all the time. So I was still creating my possibility and making things happen. But I realized that uh, if I had worked harder, like, you know, like Wajid and, uh, and, and you are and the other and Moody Man and uh, Theo and uh, the other brothers that have their own labels, um, to name a few out of Detroit, that I could have made that happen without all of that, mm. had I known. But back then, everybody was about getting a deal so and being assigned to somebody. And I didn't realize that that wasn't necessarily the answer for the solution, you know, until later. And it was a good, there's a good and a bad side to both those things. So for me, as an artist who's a singer and a producer and a writer, it was better for me to be able to label because I needed a machine, even though I could have did it myself, it probably would have took longer. And I wasn't, I was in the house and techno and that market, but we were making fun. So until I met the label in London, I learned that you know, I need to collaborate with a lot more people in order to be successful. So I think that was the other thing of my past that I learned was that collaborations are crucial. So um, those things helped me to build my career and understand what I needed to be doing better in order to be successful on my own. That's such good advice. Um, and and it's uh, it's something actually I want to talk to you a bit about too, Wajid. Um, it's interesting, uh, Amp talked a bit about, um, you know, Underground Resistance, you are, Moody Man, Theo Parrish. And, and, and I, on our interview in the past, we talked a little bit about that. You're an independent record label owner with Bling 47 and uh, Dirt Tech Records. Um, that also is almost a, a very Detroit thing to do, you know, you, you do it for yourself. Um, and I know that uh, I'd love to hear about, you know, the people that kind of showed you those those ways um, when, when trying to put those record labels together. Who were the people that really like kind of showed you the ropes? I mean, there's, there's only one really solid answer for that. And that's uh, Barry Gordy. No. Uh, Motown, you know, like just five minutes down the street from us. 
I mean, Barry showed us, he showed us as Detroiters that it's our birthright to make sure that we own, you know, and produce and manufacture our own records, you know. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, and besides Barry, you know, there's, there's, there's Transmat, there's uh, Underground Resistance, who I ended up distributing records through earlier in my career. I mean, Moody Man, Theo, again, you know, but we all learned it from uh, Motown Records. Wow, of course. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Motown must have played a huge role. Uh, was that a, a big influence for you too, Amp, as a young man? It was a huge influence for me, and um, along with you know, like what G just said, you know, like all the other uh, new generation, like Juan Atkins and Carl Craig, and you know. The other young influences that we had were prevalent after Motown. So Motown was the pinnacle. That was like the ultimate influence. That made you proud to be from Detroit. So, um, and it made you proud to know that there was a black man that who uh, started a business from nothing and made it into an empire. That's a lot of inspiration. That makes you stay in, in Detroit because, um, you know, it's kind of corny to move out of Detroit to other places to, and always talk shit about you being from Detroit and you live in another city, <laughs> but you always talk about you from Detroit and shit. To me, it's always been kind of corny because if you represent the city, you live in the city and you, you struggle, you fight for your city. I think that's important. I, I, I believe in living in other places temporarily. You always come back home. I like that. I think live, that's live, live and uncut. I'm sure YG is going to me on that one. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> I think that I love that pride in the city. You've got so much to be proud of in Detroit. I mean, we all look at Detroit. We all, we all want to be part of that. We all want a part of that sound. I think it's, that's what's beautiful about, about the city of Detroit is, is that, that total pride and what you guys have created and still constantly are creating. It's uh, it's, you know, like, I mean, yeah. The influence of Detroit. I, I'd love to touch on that too. You know, you guys. Um, yeah, you your show ain't long enough for that. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I mean, we did talk about when you were on the show last time, uh, Waji. We did talk about this, and I'd love to just to quickly touch on it again, though. But you know, I, I don't know if if people uh, give Detroit as as much credit as as they should. Um, in a lot of respects, you know, birthing so many different uh, genres of music. But, um, yeah, I mean, what, what would your perspective be on that as far as, um, you know, wh where do you think Detroit should, should be placed as far as a global culture uh, ambassador for, for, for new sounds, you know? Detroit is the center of the planet. Without, without question, like, it's, 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 a non, it's non-negotiable. You know, in, terms of, in terms of music culture and, you know, like the black influence um, that is represented in the world and, you know, like copied and, you know, like time after time after time, so much that the copy doesn't even see itself as a copy. Um, it, that's, you know, but, you know, like in the same way that Detroit is probably uh, has suffered from a level of erasure in terms of the culture of music, so are black people. So, you know, and Detroit is a black city. So it's really the same conversation, you know, like why, 
The question is why. Yeah, that's that's a good yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Do you with yeah. Underground Music Academy is this is this is this a big part of what you're hoping to do is to kind of I guess balance that out by by providing an opportunity for for specific specific uh, black people in <coughs> Detroit to be able to prosper within the music industry. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, as a correction to what you what you said earlier today, um, Underground Music Academy is founded by myself and Matt Mike Banks from Underground Resistance. So, you know, I'm taking on the role as director, but really, you know, like this is a community-led initiative, you know, and that's where AMP comes into play in terms of his, his, uh, what he's done already with Camp AMP and for countless other people, not just black folks, but countless other people in the world, you know. Um, our understanding is that, you know, we understand our value, and yeah. we know the, this, the, uh, the space that we play inside of music. And, you know, like, um, what, we, what, we, what UMA wants to do is really just a tradition. We're just carrying on a tradition that people like Amp and people like Mike have done uh-huh. for us, even um, what Barry Gordy has done for countless musicians in Detroit. It's just a tradition that we want to carry on. Yeah. And just make sure that uh, that you know things are equitable, and that we you know like we do what's necessary for not just you know like uh, the future generation of music, but people who are here now, people who put in their work. You know, like we want to make sure our LGs get their their equity and that they're represented properly, and that they got the tools in order for us to be able to go out and take over the fucking world. Is the approach of Underground Music Academy quite different from, I guess, a traditional school where, um, where it's a lot more about collaboration and, and understanding the music business um, in a more of a, you know, through a different from from the Detroit perspective, from understanding independence and and yeah. and and mentorship. Yeah, I think that's what separates us from most academies. You know, most most academies are, are going to try to teach you to be famous. Underground Music Academy is teaching you to be a better human being. Our um, our goal and you know like our what we attempted what, what what we want to attempt to do when we actually open up school is to teach from a, a lens of social justice. That's first, you know what I mean. So that if you decide that you don't want to make music, that you want to be anything else, that you kind of do it in a way that makes sense to the human being that's right in front of you or next to you. So it's really about lifting up folks, you know, based off understanding that we have because you know primarily you know like our city is being un, under under what are underdogs you know? and so teaching history from an underdog perspective puts um the people who are on the side right in the center and then once the people that are outside the center we, we're addressing the needs of everybody yeah C- can i ask um a question uh, for Wajid: um, When you met, uh, yes, when you met, when you met Amp, um, what did Amp represent to you uh, as you know, as a musician in Detroit? That's a great question. That's a great question. I was addressing almost all my interviews. Uh, Amp represented an opportunity for us. When we saw him, you know, in the neighborhood with his unique, stylish clothes on. You know what I mean? And, you know, like he was just, he was just as good as anybody else, but you know what I'm saying? Like he had the ability to communicate um, a level of like, listen, you can do this thing. You can actually be a living and working artist inside of this neighborhood. 
You know, that, that was a, that's what he represented for us, you know, and still does in so many ways, you know. And uh, Amp's ability to yeah. have um, connection with um, people that are not just his age or older, but his ability to connect with people who are younger is something that, you know, like, that's, that's what we want to do with the school. So that's why we made sure that, you know, like our first events that we start opening up this year are uh, Camp Amp based, you know what I'm saying? It's a collaboration between U of A and Camp Amp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amp, I mean, you're famously known for, for mentoring um, Jay Dilla and, and Wajid on the drum machine. What was it like uh, watching them develop into such accomplished musicians and artists? Um, that was inspiring. <clears throat> and I was just speaking to someone yesterday about how cool it is to, to be in the presence of talent. And that's another generation under you. That part is so amazing that if you're open-minded enough, then you can grow. But if you're a simp, mm. then you... There's no glow possible. But the thing that was cool about being around Dylan Wajid and the rest of the cats <clears throat> was that not only was I teaching them, but they were teaching me. So that's the beauty of being in a situation um, where you're learning together, even though you may know more than they do. They have a new approach, different than you do, to show you a whole different way of looking at things. And I learned that from them. So that was that was the payoff big time for me that a lot of people don't understand how cool it is to um, to have the right energy, vibration, frequency, light around the center of people to take everything to a, the next level and uh, with no limitations and only possibilities. And that's what happened with us all. Yeah, that, that's really beautiful, and and it's it's cool. I wanted to say, you know, you've you've collaborated together with other. I mean, both both of you guys have collaborated together with with not only yourselves but um, other legendary Detroit artists, Moody Man, Carl Craig, Dez, uh, Theo Parrish, and so on. Um, from from the outside, Detroit seems like a very tight knit circle. Uh, how, how important is it for you to elevate each other in Detroit? Well, you know, we don't we don't have a choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Detroit is, <laughs> right. Detroit is, is very much it's a it's a tight knit community because there's only a few of us who have dedicated our lives to this trade. You know, like you know, we you know, we all battered and scarred and you know, like divorced and you know, <laughs> like you know what I mean, like this is a this is a result of us being committed to our trade. It's not a matter of of luck that you actually, you know, every yep. gig that you go to, you might run into <laughs> man, you might run into Theo Paris or whoever else, or DJ Minx. You know, like these are the folks who are consistent, that will actually show up to work every day. And, you know, in, in as positive as right. it is and as healthy as it is, it's also extremely competitive as well. You know, that that's that was my takeaway yep. from Amphila's basement when, uh, you know, like when I first started, you know, like only the strong will survive. And this music business and for your success inside of this business has nothing to do with talent. It has everything, everything to do with hustle and consistency. 
That's you know, so those are the takeaways. Largely, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just you saying people doing the same things because those Come are on, people man. that are committed to this work. Those are the people that are bettering themselves yes. through the things that they produce, which happens to be music. Those same people could be yep. they those same people be, could be chefs. But you know, like the world is lucky enough to have them as musicians and DJs. I love that you talked about Man. consistency there. Uh, I met a kid at the mall yesterday. Go ahead, App. I met a kid at the mall yesterday, and he said to me, um, he wasn't a kid. He was probably uh, your age, Wazim. He said, man, I've been doing this for a long time. I need, you know, people be hating on me and don't be paying attention to my shit. I ain't getting no love. I mean, what do you think I got to do? I said, what do you do? I, he said, you know, I produce, write, rap, make beats, blah, blah, I said, man, you ain't been putting the work in. I said, there's nothing I could do to help you because you haven't been putting the work in. Because if you were putting the work in, people would know you, you would be successful, and you wouldn't need help from anybody because they want to help you because you've been putting the work in. So everything that YG just said is 100% made me think about that situation. It's hard to have to tell somebody that. But the truth of the matter is you have to put the work in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, what you touched on there, Gito, consistency, it's a really, really good point. Um, you know, do you, do you feel like, um, do you feel sometimes people come into the industry and they have high expectations uh, with a, <laughs> and, and, and think things will turn around? I mean, both of you guys I've known, well, I've known Wajid, I've known you for at least 10 years. Um, and I know YG's music, uh, so I know Amp's music for more than, you know, 10 years. So I'd say that, you know, you guys have been at this uh, for a very long time. And, and I think, you know, how do you, how do you manage your expectations within the music industry? How did I manage my expectations within the music industry? Yes. Um, I mean, you know, like, I mean, whatever, whatever you see, you know, like there's some level of success for me. Or, you know, like if you see me and, and you have an idea that, I mean, it's only 10% of my expectations, you know, or 5%. You know, I, I expect I expect a lot, you know what I mean? Because I put in so much, you know what I mean? Like it's really a thing where it's just like, I, I do feel that the musicians and artists, whenever, for example, whenever I call Ant, I just want to talk shit. Like he normally has a drum machine in front of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and how many people do you know, yeah. you know, like that, that do other things that are constantly investing inside of what, you know, their creative self or, or whatever they've chosen to do. And every person that I know is like that. You know, whenever I call yep. uh, Matt Mike Banks, you know, like he's, he's got a drum machine. In front of you know, like we are committed beyond belief. You know, and, I mean, like, you know, like I think DJ Minks just got the cover of some magazine um, recently, right? But how long has DJ Minx been DJing? Like seriously, got a real thoroughbred in terms wow. of in terms of uh, wow. ability to play or hasty long time. You hot wax hell. You know what I mean? Like these, and in my opinion, like these these women don't get the respect that they deserve. But you know, like this is not this is not about uh, what you deserve so much. Man. America's been a huge teacher of that terms of us understanding it as black people. But um, it's really about what you take. 
Stop asking. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't expect. You know, like, like two and two is not always four. And to, and hmm. it's really much. It's really about your consistency level and how much you really love this shit. You know what I mean? Like really, this, this is not just something that you drop out of college to do and just try, you know, to see if it'll work. It's actually, you actually got to really love this shit. And that's, I think <laughs> that's the connection between all of us. Like yeah. you really, really genuinely love um, and respect the power of music. Hey, that's it, man. That's that's. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up, and and I did really want to ask both of you. Um, you know what what does the power of music mean to you? That's uh, like literally Serato's tagline. I feel like uh, it's something we ask all our all our all our guests, and I feel like it's always good to get a a perspective from you guys on that. I'll let him answer that first. <laughs> The power of music for me is is my passion because what powers me is my passion. I love music, so my passion is what powers my music because I love it so much. So regardless of what, um, the music always takes me places that nothing else has ever taken me. And I'm passionate about it. So that's other than maybe a woman, that's the next best thing. And then sometimes they have to take second seat to, to music. They don't like it, but you know, we're really passionate about music. It's what we love. And that never that never dies at all, right? It's 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 kind of a flame that always burns, that passion. Yeah, it is. It's, the frequency is always there, and and we, you know, you get the results when you put the work in, and you don't even. It's, it's crazy because you don't always even have to have expectations. You do so much work after a while, you know how great it is. You know it's going it's going to reach heights that you expect you know that it's going to go places unknown that you didn't expect so it's it's all the faith and the passion and the hard work that you put in that's the payoff and it's like it's like a plant you know and seeds you plant the seed and the you wait and the sun and you water it and it grows but if you let that shit dry up and you just look at it every day and walk past it, you get nothing. Mm. And, you, and you love it so much that you want to see that. You're passionate about it. You put the time in. You know, I think that's it for me. Um, uh, what George used to always say? Uh, uh, funk is its own reward? Yeah. That one. That's awesome. That is awesome. What was the, what was the question, Matt? Can you ask the question again? Uh, it was, "What does the power of music? What does the power of music mean to you?" It's, it's a, I guess to reflect what uh, Amp just touched on. I mean, the, the power of music means everything. You know, it's it's the you know it's the ability to yeah. you know to. I mean, music is the soundtrack that changed the world, you know? Like, I was just in San Francisco yes. 
day. And uh, for this past weekend for a gig, and just the unifying power that music has, you know, between people, mm-hmm. between strangers. Uh, it, it, you know, it's the soundtrack of the planet, I believe. You know, I believe that somewhere in the, in the deep, yeah. in the deep solar system, you know what I mean? Like there's a hum, there's some tone out there. You know what I mean? That might be B flat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, and it's also the power that keeps the universe on its axis too. When evil and uh, negativity, yeah. you know, like weigh on this planet, the balance of that is music and positivity that, you know, keeps this place that we live in from falling into the abyss. Yeah. So yeah, music means everything. And I think um, yeah. as an example of amps in my career, you know what I mean? Like the reason why we kind of like jump from genre to genre to, you know, like the way, the reason why we jump around like that is just because there's no limit to it. You know, like being from a city and state. Right. Michigan and being from a city uh, called Detroit, which I'm with this thing. It's like there's no, there's nobody on the planet that can tell me I need to stop at 93 BPMs <laughs> or 25 BPMs. You know, like it's just like I, I'm in service to to my spirit and I'm in service to my ancestors to be able to listen to them and obey and and put some put some paint on the canvas. So yeah, music means everything. Yep. You know what's it's great to hear that. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's one of the only things that one of the only things in this on this planet that changes the way people feel and think. Yeah. Big time, especially when you think about the artists that have um, controlled countries in a way that governments had them killed because their music was so strong it swayed the people past the powers that control that country. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, that's 100% true. Amp, I actually was reading yeah. a book very recently called The History of Twelve Killings, uh, or oh, sorry, History of Seven Killings. It's a fantastic book um, about Jamaica, mm. and it talks about uh, the the political movement in Jamaica with Bob, uh, Bob Marley, of course. And, Bob Marley, that's right. Yeah, I think... And Fela was one of the same. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. it was a really interesting yeah. perspective for me, especially you know, uh, growing up in a in a in a country like New Zealand, very far away from a lot of that. Understand the geo, you know the political aspect and and and, and like just like you said, how powerful music can be. That yeah, literally, the government will will want to get involved and and potentially eradicate you if you're if you're causing you know uh, disruption that they don't agree with. Correct. That's how powerful music is. Yeah. Um. I did right to... now in this planet, we're not using it for that reason so much. We've been swayed so far to the left. The underground is the only place to remain, to be a voice, to be heard in a way different than all the bullshit that everybody else is talking. Nonsense, not sense, no sense. So it it's beautiful the way it changes things and creates different people to think and come together. I'm a, I'm a big fan of both of your musics um, and as individual artists. And um, I wanted to quickly talk a bit about um, you guys' uh, latest song, uh, specifically uh, your song Amp Energy and the fact that, you know, you got Wajid on the remix. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want to I want to jump and play yes. I want to play that song in a, in a second. But I just want to really quickly ask you guys a little bit about that. It it seems so appropriate talking about energy and and power and <coughs> and the way music moves you. Um, and, and just before I jump into that, I want to say something you talked about, Wajid. You know, you talk about uh, you know tempo. You know, you're not restricted to 93 beats per minute, and you and you guys take a lot of influence from both of those things. As fans of both of you guys' career, uh, you know. I think that's something that you both do so well. Uh, you know, you, you can exist in, in this up-tempo house world. You can also make R&B music, soul and funk and hip-hop. And it just all, I mean, it's all perfect. You know, it's, I love it all, you know. Um, and, I, and I love actually that freedom that as a listener, you, you kind of give us, you know, it's almost like you say, it's okay to like house music and hip-hop and you can like R&B and there's it, it no, it's all good music. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about, yeah, this this track, Energy, you know, um, and maybe you could tell me about how you came up with this, with what, what the idea of it is. Um, <clears throat> everything surrounding us with light and frequency creates energy and brings energy. And um the song is just about that um, because uh, it, it works so amazing. Like we're on communication devices right now, but uh, you and you, uh, both of you know that there's times that someone calls you and you're in a conversation about that person. Mm -hmm. So the energy right now, I feel like is rising to a new dimension, even though that song is, is one that I wrote in 2018, I think, or even before that. 16. So, um, you know, Wajid and I have been um, knowing each other for years. And, and it's interesting how we, you know, we grow apart and we come back together from, <laughs> from, from, from years ago. And it's been an amazing uh, comeback for us to Luke, you know, when uh, we were both on stage together, competing against each other for many times together. Cause we yeah, you was kicking our ass. <laughs> we love this shit. It's, it's our passion, so we love competing. We have fun. We know we know how to give it up when the other one wins. You know, I've yeah, been sure. in situations where Wajidas win. Oh, shit. Got me. And then there's been situations where I've won. And then when we start working together musically and doing more production, it just made sense which we go back and forth trading things because we know there's no limits in the way that we work <clears throat> and try to be as creative as possible. So when he came forward and said he would do the remix, it was just perfect timing for me because it was an older song and I wanted to bring new life to it. And he, he brought that new life back to it and, uh, and, and it's changed the way people hear the song. You know, and that that's priceless. That is. Thank you, sir. G Gito, do you want to quickly talk about Thank you, what, what what you did what you did with it? Uh yeah, you know, what like you when 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 you uh when a producer is meant to do a remix, your your job is to put that song in another context, put it in another space um that hadn't been heard before. So uh, the first thing I made sure that I didn't that I didn't do when I got the, the opportunity to do the track or remix the track is I didn't listen to Amp's version. 
I feel like I owed it to um, Amp to put it into my space, into a space that actually worked for me. So when I when I heard the lyrics and I heard uh, Paul Randolph doing backgrounds on it, big up to Paul, um, I thought to myself, like, Paul Hill. Some skate jam. Paul Hill. And I started yeah. thinking about, um, like, uh, I started thinking about Amp's history with Moody Man and, you know, like, skate jams and all those things. So I thought to myself, like, yeah, this is the space that I want to put it into. And uh, I had some horn samples from my homie, uh, Desan Jones. And uh, actually, it's an Ewe part in there as well that I, that, I, that I snipped from another session. And yeah, I, I, I did what I do best. It's like, like I put all of these elements together and, and came up with a skate jam. All right. Well, let's get into a bit of it. I can't play the whole song um, just, you know, because of the, you know, the situation we're in, but um, I'm going to play a snippet of it. Um, this is Energy by Amp Fiddler, and this is Wajid's Doughboy remix. Let's get into that right now. I feel you, you feel me, your energy There we have it. That was uh, Amp Fiddler with Energy. This is Wajid's Doughboy remix. Man, that that's fire. That's really fire. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah, I, I didn't mention why I call it the Doughboy remix. So, uh, so notoriously, uh, the Persian Doughboys was the uh, basketball team that belonged to the high school that I went to. That Amp lives near. That we actually saw Amp for the first time and started going to his house. So. The Doughboys <laughs> remix is a, is a right. shout out to that parking lot that we used to look across and see Amp and all of these flyers clothes. You know what I mean? Like like doing doing what he do. So yeah, that's 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 why we call it the Doughboy remix. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. So yeah, from from what I understand, um, Amp, you lived across the school from uh, across the street from the school that G Gito went to. Is that right? That's where I live, across the street. Incredible. Percy High School now. Yeah, we're so, not gonna give no specific address though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no. I, I just wanted to quickly from Percy High School now. I just wanted to quickly uh, touch on something that I thought was really amazing that you talked about, and uh, when you were talking about learning from you know the younger generation, uh, you know get, when you when you as a mentor you also learn 
from from the the younger generation. I thought that was a a really beautiful thing to talk about. Um, and I, and I just love to expand on that. You know, I think um, you know, what are some of the things that 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 Wajid has shown you, Amp? Let me. Uh, can I answer that question um, for Amp? <laughs> commitment. Oh. <laughs> I mean. YG puts the damn time in. He inspires me because if I call YG, he's going to be working on some shit. So I know that he pushes me to reach higher levels of, of, of workmanship. And that is what this is all about. And and not only that, he's always looking to that next thing to do to make it easier for him. Technically, always looking at um, how I could learn the technology better and doing it constantly doing it and taking it to another level all the damn time I'm like shit man I, can't <laughs> beat that. I mean i learned from that alone i mean damn you got your label you got your <laughs> records you making merchandise it's just like all across the board the brother is living the dream as we watch people live that dream in the 60s. Now, differently, he's doing the same thing and creating the same kind of uh, results with the records. Making hit records, selling good records, making great records, and inspiring people like me to do the same as the older generation than him. I'm like, oh, shit. I got to get my feet out the mustard and catch up. <laughs> and that is what's up. That's what's up. He'll make you like, get your feet out the mustard and catch up. Otherwise, you'll slip on a hot dog. <laughs> Can't do that. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I got to ask, though, since we have you Keep both. Up. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> since we have you both on the chat, um, I really want to ask. Um, <laughs> You know what? What's your what's your favorite? What's your well? Give us your top three favorite Amp Fiddler songs. Mm. Oh man, so many. That's that's a tough question. Which was your which is your favorite yeah, child? I'll do that. Um, well, um, I definitely say this energy track. Yeah. What what I did is after I um, after I, yeah, yeah. Um, after I worked on it, I went back and listened to the original and. I'm glad that I didn't listen to it prior because I would have been intimidated to even fuck with it. So, yeah, I, that, so the energy joint, I love, I love oh, that. Oh, no, man. man, not for you. What he did with that, man, was crazy. So I'm glad, I'm glad I, that I didn't, um, that I didn't touch it. And then there was yeah. another remix that I did for Amp as well that ended up on uh, Kenny's label. What was the name of that one? Um, uh, uh, man. I'm lost for, for titles today, so don't ask me the same damn question, please. Okay. <laughs> so so there was another track that I, I can't uh, remember that my I... own damn songs. That's from the um, that's from the Amp Dog Nights record, and you killed it. Um, and uh, and it's a damn shame when you can't name the titles of your own record. Yeah, that's but see, that's how hard we work. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's like the the, the titles don't matter. The only thing that matters is the vibe. Yeah, so but yeah, my head is somewhere else right now. With that track for Moody Man that was on Moody Man's label, I can't think of the name. Oh, you killed the you killed two remixes for that record. But I did five. 
<laughs> yes, you did. Wow. I did five yeah. versions of it because I made the fatal mistake of listening to Amp's original first. <coughs> so I was thinking like, man, I got to outdo this. I got to kill it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so so I ended up doing five, and then I went to him. I was like, "Look, which one is better? Which one do you like?" And uh, and then he ended up picking two, and uh, yeah, that's the ones that Booty Man put out. But I also yep. will say that um, there's another man. I'll be man. I redid a redo that Ant had done the nineteen the the nineteen sixty four what joint. Oh, yep, yep. 1960 what? <clears throat> yeah, 1961. Yep. I really sure did that did. because I enjoyed Amp's version so much. What I wanted to do is I wanted to follow him. <laughs> and him to be on the record, but I didn't have enough money. So I was like, well, you know what? Like, I'm going to pick another artist that I can't afford. And, you know, like, yeah, so that was on, uh, I think it was the yep. second, uh, it might have been the first uh, Acts of Love mixtape that I did that were all the, all the sales from the record folks in the school that were in now, actually. Yeah, you killed it. Um, Thank you. Well, it. I'm glad you talked about the Mahogany Music uh, 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 album that you did. Um, and I'd love to know a little bit more about that while we got you here. Uh, so that was that was your record with Moody Man. Um, I'm doing fine. Is is that the one that you worked on with him? Um, yeah, that was that was I think the first one that I did with him <clears throat> as a solo artist and. Uh, um I, I met Moody Man uh doing sessions with um uh, what's the what's homegirl's name? Um Norma Jean Bell. Mm. Norma Jean Bell was calling me to play on some songs that were Kenny's and I was going to her house. And um and then I remember we met Kenny and he said I want to drop some records off at your house and he dropped some records off. And, and I was like, damn, so you're Moody Man? Because I knew him as Kenny. And I said, yeah, 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 Moody Man. Yeah, that's, you know, that's that's how I put records out there. Because my label that kept saying, ask me if I knew Moody Man. I was like, no, I don't know nobody. I don't know Moody Man. But I did know Moody Man as Kenny. <laughs> so we kept collaborating together. And one night, one day, I went over to his house. And he said, I got some, you know, just sing some st stuff, just sing on this and that on it for me. And that's, that song came up. That's how that song came up in his basement. That's such a I'm great song. Good collaboration. Yeah. Well, that's a classic. Yeah. yeah. Big up to Kenny, man. Yeah. Big up to Theo. Big up to, yeah, he's, you know, like he's a good producer, man. Uh, yeah. I also want to send a big yeah. shout out to uh, OP and uh, Sonny. And uh, Derek destroyed the whole crew. What up, though, to the Serato team? Right. Yep. Yeah, we got actually we got Mr. Sonny James yep. in the chat and OP Miller in the chat right now. So um, yeah, if you're if you see Serato in the chat, that's OP. Uh, Mr. Sonny James also always helping with uh, putting this unscripted podcast together. We're very grateful to have have you guys uh, in the chat right now, and we're really we really appreciate everything yeah, you up, do. Fellas. Um, yeah. Yeah, we owe, I, I specifically owe them a ton of gratitude. One, Sonny's one of the best DJs on the planet. He and Derek, actually. <laughs> Facts. Low key, you know what I'm saying? Big up to the whole yeah. Filipino squad, man. Y'all do it the best. Y'all kill it. Yes. Respect to the whole Filipino squad. Yo, Freddie, everybody. 
You know what I mean? But uh, largely, um, when they when they came here to the D like a couple of weeks ago, to um, I mean, because we have a partnership with Serato that I'm sure that you will going to address at some point. But yeah, when they when they came here to the D, you know what I mean? And, and it didn't even feel like we was working. Like the chemistry and the energy felt so right. And uh, next time, we just got to make sure that that, that Sunny pull up. I mean, take you know to get all of the the fresh Detroit fits. Absolutely. Mm. The bourgeois haircuts and the whole thing. <laughs> that's, that's an internal joke, by the way. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll make a visit to uh, the classic re- restaurant Fishbones. Uh, is it Fishbones? Yeah, it's Fishbones, yeah. Fishbones. It is. Yeah, it's so many more. Yeah. I got to give a quick shout out actually to um, a really good friend of mine, also an ex Serato employee, uh, Matt Shaquan, who's actually from Detroit. And. Uh, he, he really he really put me on to a lot of great music from Detroit. I got to be honest, he was a real uh, vehicle uh, as far as me understanding what was going mm. on when it, when we went out mm. to movement. And actually, I believe I met you, Amp Fiddler, um, through through Matt Shaquan. We did an event together uh, as part of the Detroit Movement Festival. You did, you did at that at that tent at Movement, right? Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, it was a fantastic event, man. Um, yeah, that's a good cat. Big shout out to him as well. Yep, recluse. <laughs> Uh, he's yep. actually got a hilarious story. I, I mean, I'm, I'll let him tell it, but I know that he, uh, he, I don't know if you guys have ever received a demo tape. Like he, he gave, uh, uh, he, he put his demo tape in his, he was working at a sandwich joint in, in Detroit and he put his demo tape in the middle of a sandwich. I can't, was it Carl? Was it Carl Cray? He gave it. Was the, Carl. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Big up to Carl and Records, man. What up though, man? Yeah. We, we got a lot of love for that dude. Yes, here, sir. Man. Like, yeah. Come on. Should I say should I say what his right. name was? But no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. But yeah. <laughs> that was uh that was the hell of a way to get get a get a tent get your uh, someone's attention when you put your demo tape in a sandwich. I mean, you know, you might you might be liable for a dental bill, but <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta do what you gotta do. You got it. You gotta do what you gotta do, man. Is, please, um, y'all, don't give me, please don't give me no demo in a sandwich. <laughs> no, don't do that, though. Yeah, you can't don't put you an MP3 that. in a sandwich, though, can you? Don't you do that. That's, that's dangerous because it could end up in the garbage just by chance. You didn't see it. It I'm fell a, out in the bag. That's I'm it. A, I'm, I'm going to be upset. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fuck my sandwich up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you put it outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I not in the sandwich. Actually, in the sandwich. I'm I pretty think sure it was in. You put it outside the sandwich, so when you open up your bag, put it under the windshield wiper or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> not, in, not in my damn sandwich. I don't. Right, right, Yeah. Throw but, it on the seat with the Lions tickets, so I got a choice. You know, the Lions <laughs> tickets and a, and a and a CD or cassette. I'm gonna take the cassette first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to ask: Is um. Is movement going on this year in Detroit, and are you guys going to be part of it? Uh, I think I think it is happening this year, and uh, yeah, I got I got an invite to play, but what we're also yeah, considering yeah. is doing like we have plans to do uh, an event with AMP, UMA versus Camp Hamp um, here, but we we might do it in we might do it in, in around the time of movement to you know facilitate to folks. Yeah, that could be So yeah, we some some we thinking about. That's a fantastic idea, and I. And from what I heard, I, I was talking to you the other day, Wajid. Was you you, talk, you were talking about um, the actual building where a UMA is at, um, 
and you guys have a parking lot. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about what your plans are to, to do with that spot, or are you able to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the Underground Music Academy or UMA is currently in our first phase of uh, of our vision for the space, which is construction. Which means that we're currently raising money to actually finish the building. Um, it uh, the building is like a pretty huge building. It's a third. It's a three floor building, and where UMA is on the second floor, and then we actually got a parking lot that you know, like we're considering like throwing events at, you know, like being invited, inviting the community and doing quite a few things in the near future. But we are in a space now where we're raising funds. So I think mm -hmm. we're about, we're about, we're close to $100,000 and to our $300,000 goal. So yeah, we still got quite a bit of work to do. So if you if you run a big corporation and you're in the chat and, and you know, you want to put some money to a good cause, Underground Music Academy, you know, if you fit the bill, because I, I know that you guys are also pretty spe specific about who you work with, which I think is a really smart move. Yeah, we have to be. You know, it's, it's very important. You know, a lot of people are in trouble. And, uh, you know, like they, they tend to lean on places like UMA to actually get out of trouble. But we are not a get out of jail free card. You know, we're very serious about our partners being committed to, you know, really large scale change and changing systems that are in play at the moment. So, yeah, um, but yeah, we take all donations, small, large, you know, it's really an investment, not just in yourself, but the community of, of future leaders, you know, like that's, that's what we're after to capture, whether they be young or old, like we're actually, you know, like everybody has a place here inside of this space. Absolutely. And, and if, if you're in the chat and you do, uh, you do want to yeah, donate to Underground Music Academy, uh, OP Miller has posted in and here the donate link. Um, to to the the website for uh, Underground Music Academy, and you can donate there if, if you want to be a part of that. And you want to contribute to a good cause, because uh, what the folks at uh, what Wajid and Amp and what the folks are at Underground Music Academy are doing is is so important, um, and it's it's something that I hear a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about music saving their lives, and I and I really do believe it is a lifesaver, uh, and it's such an important you know thing to do for your your mental health. You know, if if you can get yourself in some kind of creative space you know, wonders will happen and it'll allow you to, you know, put a yeah. lot of focus yeah. to the right things. 100%. And uh, we're also doing yeah. like a live auction uh, with you guys right now. With, That's uh, right. Smart, yeah, like we're auctioning off uh, the CV or the control vinyl. Um, and uh, the highest bidder will win, but all the profits come to, the profits from the uh, auction actually come to UMA. So OP could drop that cool link down there y'all check that out i think the the final day is tomorrow for the first set of records that are actually going out that's right and, uh, and then we're going to re-up again right that's right actually yeah thank you very much to op serato has posted that in the chat um so yeah you can actually it's it's a really good cause and you can get some really cool never before available uh control vinyl the uh elusive uh you know a seeing eye white control vinyl that has never been available for for purchase is available now uh, signed by some legendary DJs, and we've got a bunch of different ones available, uh, and they're all different prices. So, you know, if you're if you're a collector or you just want something that you know a piece of history, this is a great way to you know help Underground Music Academy and also add some fire vinyl to your collection. So, uh, yeah, you can't lose really. Um, I mean, those things they go, you know, they go for a lot of money. That's right. Um, I wanted to talk also a little bit about um, outside of the school. I want to talk about you guys as individuals. Individuals, you know, what what are you currently working on um, 
project-wise? Uh, right now, uh, I just relaunched uh, my label called Bling 47 that I actually started my humble beginnings with. Um, I think it was uh, 2005 mm -hmm. or 2006. Wow. I was really, really instrumental in putting things out from the label. But since my heart kind of like went a different direction than hip hop, so I started, I stopped focus, focusing on the label for a couple of years and started a new label called Dirt Tech Rec or Dirty Techno Records, which, which is, what it, is what it means. But um, as of uh, the beginning of this month, Actually, on Dilla's birthday is like when I decided to actually relaunch that label Ooh. and start putting out new releases or things that I hadn't released um, out on the label. So yeah, we're um, yeah right now this month we've actually been showing on our Instagram we go, we've been showing unreleased uh, Bling Forty Seven breaks. If anybody's familiar with that, it's a series that I did every Monday um, for a year straight, where I shot and filmed and edited a video and went out. Uh, every Monday for I think the duration of 2011, something like that. But yeah, so uh, I just relaunched Bling 47. Uh, up and coming for Dirt Tech Rec is another um, Acts of Love uh, record where all the profits actually go towards uh, uh, UMA. And uh, it, and largely this year, uh, this July, um, I'm going to be doing my first major release with uh, BMG and um trezor um with a record that's near and dear to me called uh, the memoirs of high tech jazz where we celebrate um uh i guess a genre of music that was invented by mad mike banks and timeline um and i celebrate uh this 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 kind of bastardization of unpredictable styles <laughs> so yeah check that, that that'll be out in july all right you heard it here first july um Quick question about Bling Forty Seven. I mean, I had I had Bling Forty Seven records. I was working at a record store at the time. I was buying those records. I, I was, f forgive me if I if I get this wrong, but was Tron part of the was a was on Bling Forty Seven? It was. Yeah, it was my first uh, instrumental release where I, I did a yeah, it was a track called Tron. Um, the first, the first, technically the first track that introduced hip hop and techno in the same space. Okay, I feel like it's it's we got to play this track. Um, just in case anyone doesn't know it, because this is yes. this is my joint. Um, this yes. is one of my favorite joints of yours, Wajid. So I want to run that real real, real real quick. This is Tron I'll tell you, by. Sorry about it. We have to play it. <laughs> All right, this is Tron by Wajid. Let's go. Thank you. 
That was uh, Wajid with Tron. Uh, it was originally on Bling 47. That was, yeah, like you said, the first track to really bridge techno and, and hip-hop. Uh, and it's a it's a fire track. I love that track, dude, so much. Thank you for that, man. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, that, that, that track really uh, originally, I started making that track because uh, Dilla was submitting tracks to Busta Rhymes. And um, I remember telling myself, like, I'm gonna make a track that actually will actually introduce Buster into what we're doing in terms of techno here in the city. And I think I made that track in maybe 1999, mm-hmm. something like that. And then uh, Dilla was like, "Man, I promise you I'm gonna give it to Buster. I promise I'm gonna give it to Buster." <laughs> so I don't think I ever got to Buster, but yeah, that was the genesis of the track. Appreciate you were living in New York at the time, yeah. right, YG? What happened? You were living in New York at the time, right? Yeah, I think I moved to New York. Maybe, um, yeah, just after that turn that came out. So, so if anybody knows Buster Rhymes, well, Buster Rhymes is in the chat. Right, <laughs> supposed to be for you, Buster. Get on that joint, dude. That would be fire. <laughs> Can you imagine Buster on that one? I mean, we might have just to make a a blend with that it. You know, crazy. No, uh, I don't want the that that want fire. The you want the real deal? It's already fire. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I got a OP in the chat had a question for you, Wajid, about that specifically. He said, uh, Tron was made on your MPC 2000. Is that correct? Yeah, it was made on my MPC 2000. I, I, I shouldn't be saying this, but it actually chopped up a Jork record. Oh, no way. Yeah. Holy smokes. Wow. We got to get Busta on that, though. You Let's up manifest record, that. Wow. Did you say tell did Dem say tell the record? I, I, I bet he did. Is that what you said? <laughs> oh shit! No, I was asking what. What did you sample? <clears throat> oh, I can't. I can't, I can't tell that. We we might have to do a play for each other. I that. thought that was what you. No, I thought that was what you said. I thought you told what record you sampled. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, yeah. no. Yeah. No good. That was dope. <laughs> Um, hey, I got to give a quick shout out to a couple of people in the chat. We got we got uh, Lady Monix in the chat from Detroit. Great to see oh, you no, here, no. Lady Monix. Big fan. Uh, we got Nina Soul in the chat. Monica! <laughs> Nina, what up, dude? We got Nina Mendoza in the chat. We got... Oh, oh my God, you got the squad in the building. What up, y'all? Yeah, we got some people in here. Magnanimous, we got Master Lee. Low Key oh. came in with a raid. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of really great people in here, and it's. Uh, I want to make sure we give up some love uh, for River Seeps. Um, yeah. Seeps, what up, Bell Seeps? Jajaris. John Simmons from Chicago is here as well. Uh, so, yeah, like yeah, big big shout out to everyone tuned nice. in right now. Uh, Mariposa Melanin, I think I'm saying that right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone tuning in. And if you guys have questions, feel free to ask them in the chat. Um, we'll try to answer them later. The real QD is that the real QD from Detroit too? That'd be great. Oh, if that man, is. QD, QD, QD. What up, QD? QD was in the basement with us. Cody Gardens in the house. Yeah, uh, QD, QD's OG. You know what I mean? So what up, though, QD? Yeah. QD. Uh, if that's the same QD I'm thinking, of, I got the I got the cash flow record. I got the 12 inch. Uh, so shout out QD, a classic that's record the same right there. QD, yeah. That's the same QD, and uh, yeah, I did. I shot the photo for that album. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Wow, yeah, because I mean that's what you were doing too, right? You were really documenting history, Wajid. Uh, I know um, when Op- I don't know if I'm blowing up your spot here, but Op was telling me how you're sitting on a lot of 
a lot of incredible footage from those early years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to elaborate on that, go right ahead. But if, if it's something you want to keep on the load, let me know. I actually don't want to elaborate on that. Thanks a lot for blowing up my spot, OP. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. No, 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 no. But I, I will say, yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely own one of the, the largest archives of Dilla photos and Slum Village, everything. I kept everything. You know what I mean? Like when we went through our journey, and QD can testify that in the chat that, uh, yeah, like I got all the photos. So, yeah, I'm holding on to that and deciding what. Deciding what Amp Filler and I are gonna do, whether we're gonna make a documentary, what we're gonna do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. We have to talk about that. You know, yeah, take your time with that one and no rush on it. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you, OP, blowing me up. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I mean, that stuff's sacred, you know. So I, you know, I mean, I understand <laughs> sensitive stuff. <laughs> no, that's all good. No, it ain't no secret. You know what I mean? Like I was the only person around with a camera. You know what I mean? So it, it wasn't like I was had to fight over or topple over people to document that stuff. Nobody was right. smart enough to care. You know what I mean? But uh, they care now. Told y'all why Gene always been ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, it's really apparent now. Um, but always hey. Always up on here. The next technology back then. Nobody <laughs> no pictures back then. <laughs> I mean, yo, yo, I mean. I think I got one photo shoot for Slum Village and and I never got the pictures for the photographer. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, Blink 47 was also it, a website, brother. too, though, right? Like, I mean, that was, to, to your point, Amp, you know, uh, Wajid, you, you had Blink47.com. I mean, that was like, for me, at that time, that was probably one of the first rap websites I'd ever visited, I'd ever even known existed. And I think you're really, really ahead of the curve on yeah, that. That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, you know what? I, I, decided, I decided yep. to do Blink 47 because, uh, like, when we, one of the first trips that Slum and I made to Europe, uh, I forget what we performed, and I'm sure somebody knows, but I filmed the whole thing. But the crazy thing is that when we arrived, everybody knew the words to the songs. Slum Village had been bootlegged so much over there that, you know, like, everybody knew all the lyrics to the song. So we were calling ourselves the Black Beatles. But when we came back home, <laughs> nobody gave a fuck. Nobody cared. <laughs> nobody cared. So that's when I decided, like, I want to do this thing, Blink 47, to tell the world what we're doing. Because it's important. And uh, and little sometimes, sometimes the people around us don't have the value for it so much because they don't have the, the privilege to be able to step outside of our bubble. But, you know, I think, and, I, and I'm sure that Amp can testify to that as well with the stuff that he and his brother, um, Bubs, was doing. You know, it's like it, sometimes it, more, it matters more outside of our communities first. And then we need to see, uh, when we see how much other people honor and respect it, then we can see the value for it for ourselves. And, and that's again, right. you know, that's largely in part what we want to do here with UMA. Like, we just want our, yeah. our local folks to know that. We shape policy across the world. You know, yep. it's got to get that space where you can see your value. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and was that something that you really saw and and witnessed early on too, with your um, you know, with your, your travels with Parliament and and even as a solo <laughs> artist traveling through Europe, uh, you know, uh, was that did that really kind of make you aware of how important you know your contributions and and the contributions of Detroit were to the world? It did. I always thought that. I mean, 
there's just so many amazing artists that we love, looked up to, listened to, that set a tone and trend and innovation. When it's like that, you can only uh, glow about it, you know? And that was one of the things that definitely kept me inspired and wanted to be involved in music in Detroit with people because uh, um, we were not just making music and we knew that we wanted to make music, but we were also concerned about how innovative we could become and what different uh, music we could make to uh, represent Detroit. Different than everybody else. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, I think I think uh, I want to tap into what Amp is saying about just the, the the idea of innovation. You know, it was always like important to not just. It was almost embarrassing to to copy the person that you're standing next to, and you exactly. almost owe that a, a gratitude and respect to add a link onto the chain and actually do something that's innovative, new, and something that's specifically you. You know, like right. uh, for, for example. Amp and I just did remixes, separate remixes for my partner my, and my OG, the legend, Roy Davis Jr. Roy Davis Jr. Mm. And, um, yep. our, our remixes were so unique compared to what he had done or even the other stuff that had been turned in. It was almost like a new fucking tune. You know what I mean? And I think, I think, I know that Amp and I were thinking in the same space where it's like, look, this is what he did, but it's important for me to put I got to put my bang in there, you know what I mean? Like it's yep. important to yep. really yeah. add my value and like, you know, like, uh, and, and, and do what I do, you know, um, with, with the track. And that's a beautiful thing when that happens because we, uh, it's rare that we get a chance to do the same track like that, the remix. And it's, it's really cool when you get to listen to the, when I listen to your remix and you listen to mine and we know, that it represents our personality totally. Yeah. Which which you killed, by the way, which is actually really, really. And what you killed as well, as usual. Yeah, we were thinking like, Roy, Roy, you got to step your mix up, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he has. His is dope too, I'm sure. You know Roy ain't going to play. No, Roy don't play. Roy don't play. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm happy that we were all on the, that we all on a, on a, on the remix together, that's dope, divine. Yeah, and and, and uh, Matt, I think it's important. I mean, as as anybody who's been listening to us talk for the last hour, <laughs> to see how competitive we are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I definitely picked up on that. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, steel sharp and steel. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and as much yep. as much as you know, what I'm saying like we compete, we compete because amp has. I mean, I, I don't even know if there's a show that PPP or that I've done. I mean, for example, one of the last PPP shows that we did, Amp killed us, man. <laughs> he killed us. I think we went on before him. And then not um, only did Yep, you did. And, and I can see your us. face over there said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we both shook hands, we're like, damn, that was a good song, man. I was like, oh, shit. Like, you man, you killed us, <laughs> If y'all killed it on that show, like, oh, fuck. And not only did he kill us, but you know what I'm saying? Like, 
at the end of the night, the singer that I had hired to play in our band left. <laughs> wow. Damn. He left with that. I'm like, yo, like I'm done with this. I'm, I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna go over here with this real motherfucking killer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I then I remember we played at the at, at the in Amsterdam at the uh, for Carl Craig at the what's the name of that club we played at? Paradiso. Paradiso. I was trying my best to step up, but my shit was raggedy that night. <laughs> I got you that night, but you I, killed me that night. I, I and think I was though, happy you did because I was like, ah, I can't get it together tonight like I want to. I think that friendly competition is really healthy, though. And, and I mean, you know, I, I really loved... I just want to touch back on something you said, too. I thought it was really cool how you talk about, um, you know, you, you don't want, like you don't want to copy someone's style. And I, and the more I think about, you know, especially the music from Detroit, but especially you guys and what you do, you know, you really have such a unique character, unique unique sound to what you do. And that's actually one of those... One of the hardest things to do in, in music is to really find your character, you know, and... It, that that for some people they never get there. For some of us like myself, it takes a really long time, and and I and I really love that. That's almost like kind of at the, you know, a really a, a really important part of the music from Detroit being so innovative and pushing things so forward. Uh, and you know, sometimes you know, even Dylan in his career had people criticize him or you know didn't like what he did. You know, I think we even talked about that on our interview Wajid, where you know people were, couldn't understand the swing of the drums, but you know, eventually when they come around they. They, they applaud him for it, you know, and, and they study him and, 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 they, and, and the same for, for what you guys have done. And I think that, you yeah. know, Detroit is like, it seems like that's, that's really at the core of what you guys do. Is, would that be a correct assumption? Well, some of us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 ran, I, I, was, I remember when I um, got signed to Polygram and I first met Wajid and Dilla and, um, I moved to California. Uh, it was before I, just before I met you guys. It was what got me to MPC 60. I was signed to Polygram Records uh, with Ed Eckstein, and he was Billy Eckstein's son. And he said, Amp, um, I, I, I turned in some of the demos. He said, Amp, I really need to make you to make me another uh, Hey Little Walter. Mm. And I was like, uh, I can't do that. I'm trying to do something that represents me. I, uh, Raphael Sadiq is my boy, but you already got them. What the fuck you want me to make a record like them for? I'm not them. I'm not from fucking Oakland, California. I'm from Detroit. I'm making my shit like me. And of course, they dropped my ass. <laughs> but you got to stand for something or you fall for any damn thing. And you got to believe in what you do. And when you trying to do something different and innovative, you can't fucking let bullshit get in the way like, oh, come on, man, say your soul. We can give you $200,000 and just make it like, make one like this and sing it like that and make, you know, put a three on that shit like George used to say. Let me put a three on that dope. Water that shit down for your ass so you don't nod out too hard. Mm. No. Yeah. I want that real funk. I want the P-funk. I, I don't want my funk stepped on. I want that real shit. So it was a perfect yeah. example of that thing that you're just talking about, you know. Well, well and, and we as Detroitists are like that. That's crazy. Never knew that. And uh, yeah, I think I think people don't uh, 
I spoke about it a little bit in uh, some of the pieces that I worked on with OP and Derek and Serato, your, your crew. Um, <clears throat> you know, like what makes you different is your superpower. Mm. Really what makes you different to the world and it, it, it's actually the best thing about you. Yeah. It makes you not conventional. It makes, you know, uh, other people uh, grab, grasp course what you do. What you do. Yeah. I think it's important yeah. for us to realize that uh, for the most part, Dilla died before he became successful in terms of being like a household name, in terms of being, you know, clickbait, which is another thing I was dealing with today. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's important for, for people to realize that, uh, you know, most times, you know, you're not really, you're not recognized and celebrated for what makes you different and unique. But really, you know, like it's uh, it's what makes you special. Well, that's that's. I was thinking the same thing, man. And I think you know both what you're saying and and uh, what I'm saying. You know, it requires a lot of self confidence. And, and and I think as men, you know, that's real. To be completely, you know, honest, sometimes that's really hard for us. You know, I mean, for just people in general to find that self confidence, and, and especially as musicians, you know. Uh, you know, we, we face some adversity and we, we question ourselves. We have imposter syndrome, all sorts of stuff like that is plenty of buzzwords. But having that confidence, especially when you're doing something different to persevere and, and to continue on. I mean, Amp, I can't imagine what it must have felt like to be dropped by a record for record label for sticking to, you know, your artistic integrity. You know, like that that's uh, that's got to be, uh, you know, pretty hard. So, um, you know, kudos. You know, sticking yeah. to your guns. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not, it's never that easy. You know what I mean? But you know, like it's, it's more important for you to. I was told that you know, when the racehorse is running, like they don't look left or right. Like if, if they do look left or right, they'll fall. Mm. So it's important for you to kind of stay focused and, and focus on what's in front of you, and also stay the fuck off Instagram. <laughs> that should have you fucking insecure and thinking, second, second guessing yourself. There's nothing that you can do as one person that's going to counter. Like all of these years of uh, psychologically uh, studying human beings and all of that shit that's being used in these applications to make you second guess yourself. That's by result. That's a result. Like that's you know if if the if the rain is real, so is the cause. Mm. So if you're on Instagram feeling insecure about your shit and what you're doing and thinking that you're not doing enough, that's a result of some design. So what you got to do is like you just got to really buckle down and focus on your 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 air likes, your people that's around you, your community, your crew, your team. You know what I mean? And know that look, while I'm over here doubting myself, Amphiller is over there working. He putting in the work. So I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta meet him where he at. And even if I even if I don't really totally believe in what I'm doing, I gotta present it as. You know what I mean? So that's why, you know, it's important for you to stay active and stay consistent. It's super important. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's beautiful to hear that because honestly, like, I know you guys said you're kind of competitive with each other, but it also feels like you guys really lift each other up. And, 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 I, and I feel like, you know, we talked about it maybe before we got on the phone call, but, you know, the people that we surround ourselves with, uh, people like OP and, and Sonny and Derek and you guys, you know, the way those people really help me, you know, they help me navigate this world uh they help i mean even our relationship with you Gito, you know like you helped me a lot you know um you've always been a really cool dude uh really approachable and and, and honestly it's been inspirational so i i feel like uh amps coming back in here 
you know, I feel like that it seems to be similar to what what you guys do for each other as well. You really lift each other up and and, and inspire each other. And, and sorry, that's what I missed, happen. I had to use the bathroom. That's <laughs> all good. <man. laughs> it's life. Sorry, sorry Phil, you told yeah, me. Philly, keep it real, man. That's, that, that, you're not gonna have that problem with that, Philly. You're gonna always keep it real, but that's also part of the amp so genuine. You know what I mean? Like you know, like what I find is that we normally have the same enemies. And uh, I'd, I'd be like, yo, like, okay, so I'm not crazy. That motherfucker's full of shit. Right. See. Yeah. So, but what I will say is this, that, you know, it's like, you, you just got to find your team. Man. You just yeah. got to find the people that, you know, Dilla did not exist in a vacuum. He existed because there was a team of us that was like, no, you're right. Yeah. Go. Move forward. You know what I mean? And he could step into the universe where he could step, he could step to Wherever he was going, if he was going to California, if he was going to New York, wherever he was going, he had a team behind him. It's just like, you're right. What you're doing is right. It's innovative. It's perfect. Wow. I'm, listening, I'm listening to them telling you that, you know, like the style or, you know, or when they erase your drum machine when you leave the studio because they want the drums to synchronize more better. You know what I mean? Like, That's bullshit. Yeah, right. Bullshit. Just keep going. You know what I'm saying? It's Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's better to walk and be be right and ask and, and actually be your real self to walk into that room and have, you know, speak in your true voice than to try to pretend like you're somebody else. Fail. Well, kudos to both of you for doing that, you know, I mean, and for yourselves for doing that for each other and, and, and for really for rest for the rest of us, you know, we all benefit from that. So you know, I, I just want to say, I want to make sure it's on record. You know, we really appreciate that, you know, and that Thanks. attitude and, and, and what you guys are doing, you know, with that attitude, replying that to the next generation with what you're doing with the Underground Music Academy. I mean, you know, these kids are going to be in really good hands. And I mean, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Honestly, I mean, that's fantastic, you know. Thank you. And, and you know, and just to be clear, like Underground Music Academy is just not only for Detroiters. You know, it's, it's, it's actually, you know, a, a situation where we teach a small group of, of Detroiters here in the city, but our biggest outreach will be online. So mm. we will be available. We will have online classes. You know, Camp Amp will be visiting you very soon. My brother, indeed. <laughs> hey, man. It's cold as fucking here. I gotta get out of here. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate you guys' time. I don't. I don't want to hold you up. It's been a great hour and a half. Honestly, chatting Thank with you guys. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank um, you, RG. Love you, man. But uh, Amp, I'm gonna I'm gonna write out to one of my favorite performances of yours performing. I'm doing fine live. It, it's I, I found it on on YouTube and I was just like, man, I gotta share this with the world. So, um, as we roll, as we write out, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us out with that, but. Before I, before we go, is there anything that you guys want to say? Anything you want to shout out or anything you want to promote? This is the time. Amp, you want to go first? <laughs> you want to go first? <laughs> um, I'm promoting the single Energy. Uh, it's the song that I wrote. Uh, um, and it's got the uh, the Doughboy remix of Waji. So you know, get that. Y'all want to get some of my shit? That's the latest right now. You can get that I'm on your band camp, right, Amp? And, and you know, Danes Brown have a new record out. I've been pushing them. I've been producing the Danes Brown. They have a, a, a dope single that they just did with DJ Dez out. Mm -hmm. And there's some Louis, Louis Vega remixes coming. So 
you know, look for that too. There's a uh, a Follow More remix that's really cool from them. That's about it for me. Um, I'm just going back over there to, you know, Persian to walk my dogs. All right. Well, we can check that on your band camp. Is that right, Amp? That's right. Okay, we'll, we'll plug your band camp in the chat here. So if you want to get the Thanks. Dames Brown or the Energy Remix or the Energy Original, you can get that there. Um, G-Dog, yeah. what, what's, what's coming yeah. up for you? Well, I will say y'all fucked around and didn't put me on that, that remix for Dames Brown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a mistake. Y'all needed my shit on there. Stop playing, man. Call me, man. But the price is going Man, you're killing us. You, we ain't even going to talk about the song you got out coming out, out on Dames Brown. That's ridiculous, man. Much love to the dang funk, by the way. Um, yes, but I, I do want to say that uh, the next version of, um, or the next thing I'm putting out is the Patty Hearst beat tape. You've heard that here first on wow. Blink 47. Uh, uh, beat tape that I put out in 2005. <laughs> I mean, red vinyl, double vinyl, beautiful cover. That's coming out, um, and next to that is Acts of Love 3 on Dirt Tech Red. And then, uh, <coughs> yeah, keep a look, keep keep an eye out for Memoirs of Hot Tech Jazz. That's and people can find that on, uh, on, on, your web, on your website, or uh, where, where would they find that? Um, you well, know? Uh, all of this will be on my Instagram, so if you, so if you follow me on the gram, yeah, that's, that's, that's where you find that, that is. But I will say, um, the next thing is, is mainly, mainly the main thing I want to focus on. Did y'all know Amp was in the same <laughs> In the same building? Yeah, he's in the same building. He's right here. Yeah. I, I, I just got, got a microphone off, but you can still see me. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> we got him in the flesh, guys. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right, yeah, that's, that, that's it. That's all we got, bro. That's it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We're going to run out. We're going to run out to the, the live performance of I'm Doing Fine by Amp Fiddler. Much love. Big up the, D the whole Detroit city. Uh, Underground Music Academy. Peace. Peace.